Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. AINC programming is brought to you in part by Weissman Family Dental in Boulder, Colorado. For over 25 years, Weissman Family Dental has been providing high-quality dentistry. They offer regular checkups, emergency care, and a wide range of specialty services. They also have staff that speak Spanish. If you're looking for a new dentist, find them at WeissmanFamilyDental.com or call them at 303-494-0101 and tell them Audio Information Network of Colorado sent you. Thank you for joining us for the Thursday, September 7, 2023 reading of the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. News. Ruling from State Medical Board brings Colorado closer to becoming the first state to ban abortion reversal practice by Caitlin Rocket, September 7, 2023. Colorado is one-third of the way to becoming the first state to ban abortion reversal as its medical board recently ruled the scientifically unfounded treatment does not meet generally accepted standards of medical practice. Now the state boards of nursing and pharmacy must weigh in, fulfilling a requirement laid out in April when Governor Jared Polis approved Senate Bill 23-190, Deceptive Trade Practice Pregnancy-Related Service. Progressive Advocacy Group's Colorado Organization for Latina Opportunity and Reproductive Rights, or COLOR, and New Era Colorado helped draft craft the legislation. Catherine Riley, Policy Director with COLOR, says there's little concern the other two boards will come to a different conclusion as the bill directs all three entities to conclude, quote, in consultation with each other, unquote. The nursing and pharmacy boards are set to meet on September 20 and 21, respectively. Quote, we gave them a mandate that by October 1, all three of the boards must meet, hear comment, hear testimony, look at all the available data and research, and then promulgate rules on whether or not abortion reversal meets the standards of medical practice, unquote, Riley says. Quote, if they find that it doesn't, then the bill stands, unquote. SB 190 deems abortion reversal, quote, unprofessional conduct, unquote, that could result in, quote, discipline, unquote, for those who provide it, namely crisis pregnancy centers that masquerade as full reproductive health facilities, but only offer anti-abortion counseling. The reversal treatment, often mischaracterized in the media as a pill, though it can be administered as an intramuscular injection, is given to people who are undergoing medical abortions, which require two medications, mifepristone, to stop pregnancy growth by blocking the hormone progesterone, and misoprostol, which makes the uterus contract. Reversal purports to use high doses of progesterone to reverse the effects of mifepristone before and only before misoprostol is taken. Quote, 
That's not actually true, Riley says, because when you block the progesterone receptors, they're blocked." Unquote. According to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, quote, medication abortion is more effective when both drugs are used because mifepristone alone will not always cause abortion, unquote. But doubts around abortion are rare. A groundbreaking decade-long research study found that 95% of people do not regret their choice to have an abortion. There are three crisis pregnancy centers in Boulder County, according to crisispregnancycentermap.com. News <clears throat> to our community and beyond. Colorado's first abortion clinic celebrates 50 years of reproductive health care by Caitlin Rocket, September 7, 2023. Boulder Valley Clinic served nine patients on its opening day, November 1, 1973, just nine months after the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that abortion was constitutionally protected. It was the first abortion clinic in the state, and Linda Weber, freshly transplanted to Colorado and armed with two years' worth of experience at a facility in New York, took the helm of the newly launched clinic's volunteer counseling program. Quote, We had patients coming from Wyoming, Nebraska, and Kansas, traveling great distances, Weber says. We had to find places for them to stay. There was a priest at St. John's Episcopal Church here in Boulder, and he would find housing for someone who didn't have any money who was in town for an abortion." Unquote. Over the next half century, the clinic evolved, changing names and locations and incorporating more sexual health services. Today, the facility is known as Boulder Valley Health Center, BVHC, and positions itself as a, quote, community-focused clinic, unquote, offering gender-affirming care for adults, family planning, and a confidential clinic for teens to access birth control. But the need for BVHC's abortion services has only grown since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in the summer of 2022 with the Dobbs v. Jackson ruling. Quote, a lot of clinics across the country had to shutter services right then and there, unquote, says Savita Ginde, CEO and chief medical officer at BVHC. Quote, from that day, we've seen a 200 to 300 percent increase in phone calls per week. More than 50 percent of the patients we see come to us from out of state. Right now, Colorado is the closest place for reproductive health and abortion care for about 1.2 million people who live in surrounding states that have restrictions on such care." Unquote. While the Dobbs decision dealt a devastating blow to bodily autonomy, Colorado has protected access to abortion through the Reproductive Health Equity Act, giving Gindi and her team at BVHC a chance to celebrate their golden jubilee and, quote, prep for the next 50 years, unquote. Quote, to get to this milestone, we've had to rise out of the ashes of harsh legislation of COVID, she says.
I think it's really brought our mission into sharp focus, unquote. The clarity of that mission was what drew people like Weber to the clinic 50 years ago. She still meets with former Boulder Valley Clinic staffers like Sarah Jussen, an original volunteer counselor who went on to manage the clinic for more than a decade. Quote, it wasn't just terminating a pregnancy, Jussen says. We provided emotional support for the women who came, unquote. Weber says this was by design, as one of the founding doctors, Erwin Ran Sklar, was a psychiatrist. Quote, he and the other doctors wanted patients to get psychological support as well as medical treatment, Weber says. He knew so many women had issues with relationships, religion, sexuality, and I was absolutely on the same page, unquote. As the years pass, Weber feels called to share the story of Boulder Valley Clinic as many of the founding doctors have died. Sklar, Roger Wade, Robert McFarland, Sherburn McFarland, and just last month, Ron Kuseski. While the name of the clinic has changed, Gindy says the mission is as clear as ever. Quote, we know that we must continue our deep commitment to providing the highest quality reproductive and sexual health care to our community and beyond, unquote. BVHC's fundraising gala, Condom Couture, is Saturday, September 23, at the Boulder JCC, 6007 Oreg Avenue. The event features fashion, burlesque, and drag from Colorado-based designers and performers. Guests are encouraged to wear 70s-style attire. Tickets start at $125 and include food, beer, wine, and a special cocktail. For more information, visit bit.ly slash condomcouture, that's C-O-N-D-O-M-C-O-U, T-U-R-E. Opinion. Letters. September 7, 2023. By readers like you. Charette or charade. I'm a neighbor who lives but a few hundred feet away from the Bone Farm Project, and I was shocked that you would print Kaylee Harder's one-sided account of the developer's plans and the charette process. Her article contains a half dozen or so quotes from the developer, Charette proponents, and those in favor of increased density throughout the area, and just one general comment from a neighbor who is dissatisfied with the process. She could have reported that about 15 or more neighbors spoke in opposition to the proposed 70-unit project, which is a 100% greater density from the surrounding neighborhood. Fewer than six spoke in favor of the proposal. The developer has been calling for three-story townhomes and condos, while the majority of surrounding homes are one-story. The Bone Farm neighbor's position calling for 46 or fewer units <clears throat> is a 50% increase of the surrounding density. Is that not a compromise? However, the developer has never wavered from his call for 65 to 70 units, yet neighbors are portrayed as inflexible. Mark Young's stipulation that only four neighbors in favor of more density and four opposed to the 70 units 
could participate in the second series of Charette's, in addition to members of his development team and a half dozen architects, left little chance that the four opposing neighbors would be heard. That was my experience in the April Charette in which I had participated. Why do neighbors desire less density in the historic neighborhood? Young's proposal would feed all traffic onto adjacent local Spruce Avenue and Sherman Street, which at 28 feet across are undersized compared to the city's code of requiring 34 foot widths for new streets. Feeder and collector streets are blocks away. My own home has a stone and steel horse tie out front to accommodate vehicles from a less congested area era. Furthermore, Young's most recent plan was actually submitted to Longmont Planning and Zoning prior to the most recent series of charrettes described by Harder. Charette or charade? As a regular longtime reader, an article that sounds like a press release is not what I would have come to expect from the Boulder Weekly. Given the unusual updates and events from the city of Longmont on page 13, I can only ask, what's up? From John Lochran in Longmont. Mayor Mistake. In the August 31, 2023 edition of the Boulder Weekly, Junie Joseph endorsed Nicole Spear and said we, quote, have the opportunity to elect our first woman mayor, unquote. Boulder has had several women mayors, beginning with Ruth Correll, who was the first female mayor of Boulder elected in 1978. Then there was Linda Jorgensen, mayor of Boulder from 1986 to 1990, Leslie Durgan, mayor from March 1990 to November 1997, Susan Osborne, mayor from 2009 to 2011, and finally and most recently, Suzanne Jones. All were excellent mayors, and while I definitely would love seeing more females in positions of power, I won't vote for someone just because of their sex, but rather for where they stand on various topics and what ideas they have for our future. From Lees Cordson in Boulder. See a mistake? Have something to say? Contact us. Letters at boulderweekly.com. Features. <clears throat> Weed between the lines. <clears throat> An existential remedy. Texas researcher explores whether psilocybin can treat cancer patients' depression better than SSRIs by Will Brenza, September 7, 2023. A cancer diagnosis is a heavy reality, no matter what type or which stage. More than a quarter of patients surveyed by the American Cancer Society report suffering from depression and end-of-life anxiety. Quote, We also have a patient population that doesn't fall into the realm of anxiety and depression, but their functional status deteriorates so significantly because of the emotional hit that they're suffering from. Unquote, says Dr. Moran Amit, a head and neck surgeon and assistant professor at the University of Texas, UT, MD Anderson Cancer Center. Quote, they've just been traumatized by their cancer diagnoses or cancer treatment, unquote. 
Currently, the majority of such cases are referred to cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, and are sometimes prescribed either a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, SSRI, or a benzodiazepine. But Amit says many cancer patients he sees are resistant to CBT or cannot muster the energy or find the time to fully invest in it. Benzodiazepines are highly addictive, Amit adds, and both those and SSRIs should be prescribed carefully and in low doses to cancer patients. Amit believes the medical community needs another tool to help patients cope. He's in the process of setting up a clinical trial to observe how psilocybin affects the brains of people living with different types of cancer. He and his colleagues at UT want to know whether or not this psychedelic molecule might be a viable alternative to established remedies. Quote, I became familiar with the hallucinogenic drugs family, most of which affect different types of serotonin receptors, Amit says, and those have been shown, at least in the lab with animals, to change those neurons a little bit, unquote. <clears throat> He references numerous studies that have indicated this. One, published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2021, made direct clinical trial comparisons between psilocybin and established treatments for depression, like SSRIs. It concluded that there was no, quote, significant difference in antidepressant effects, unquote, between psilocybin and SSRIs and that secondary outcomes, quote, generally favored psilocybin, unquote. Another from 2016 found that one-time use of psilocybin produced clinically relevant and long-lasting effects on depressive and anxious symptoms. The scientists concluded that psilocybin is, quote, an alternative to first-line antidepressants, unquote. Quote, the beauty of psilocybin is that the effect is durable, Amit says. With SSRIs, I need to keep my patients on them in order to maintain the effect. But with psilocybin and drugs from the same family, you see a lasting effect after only one or two sessions, unquote. With colleagues Dan Yaniv, Lois Michelle Ramondetta, and Lorenzo Cohen, Amit co-authored a commentary in the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer, pleading with their peers to explore the use of psilocybin with cancer patients. Quote, Considering the prevalence of distress among cancer patients and the potential benefits and safety of psychedelics, there is a clear need for more well-designed protocols prioritizing safety and exploring psilocybin and other psychedelics in this vulnerable population, unquote, the authors write. Amit says patients in his upcoming clinical trial will prepare for psilocybin-assisted psychotherapy for several weeks before ingesting anything. At the end of the third week, participants will undergo a psilocybin treatment with integration sessions following the experience. Subjects will repeat the process at six weeks. 
AMID's team will analyze MRI scans before and after treatment to see how it affects brain neuroplasticity. Patients will be monitored throughout the process. <clears throat> Quote, My fulfillment or sense of joy is with my ability to make this treatment accessible to our patients, Amit says. This is a drug that in your wildest dreams you would have never imagined we're going to give to people in Texas. But we've made it accessible for patients. I'm really happy about it, unquote. Amit encourages cancer patients suffering from depression or anxiety to contact him at mamit, M-A-M-I-T, at mdanderson.org. That's M-D-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. Features. Weed between the lines. The new preference. Young people are shifting away from alcohol and cigarettes and towards cannabis. By Will Brenza, August 31, 2023. During Colorado's 2022-23 fiscal year, the state collected more sales tax revenue from cannabis than it did from both cigarettes and alcohol, according to a new report from the Colorado General Assembly. In fact, weed tax revenue brought in almost as much as the other two vice taxes combined. Together, cigarette and alcohol taxes totaled $290 million, while cannabis raked in $282.3 million. Marijuana does have an edge when it comes to raising sales tax revenue. While cigarettes and alcohol are both taxed at just 2.9%, cannabis has a 15% retail sales tax. But this is the second fiscal year that pot sale taxes have outpaced that of alcohol and cigarettes. Research published in Clinical Toxicology in December 22 and a recent Gallup poll suggest this flip could indicate a preference shift away from traditional intoxicants and towards cannabis. The peer-reviewed study from the journal Clinical Toxicology tracked intentional use reported to the National Poison Data System, NPDS, from 2000 to 2020. The researchers found 338,000 instances of intentional abuse or misuse among American children ages 6 to 18 during that time period and, quote, an upward trend in marijuana misuse slash abuse exposures among youth, especially those involving edible products, unquote. That study found a 245% increase in adolescent cannabis use since 2000. Over that same period, the research found that alcohol misuse and abuse had steadily declined. A Gallup poll from August 2023 found that younger adults view alcohol as less harmful than tobacco and more harmful than cannabis. The same poll showed that 39% of Americans now believing that consuming one to two drinks a day is bad for one's health. Quote, 
The increased belief that moderate alcohol consumption is detrimental is owed largely to young adults aged 18 to 34, among whom it has risen 18 points since 2018, unquote, the firm's analysis states. Quote, that compares with a 13-point increase among middle-aged adults and virtually no change among those 55 and older, unquote. Gallup also notes that cigarette use among U.S. adults continues to decline. Now, only one in eight Americans smokes them, Gallup says. Of all three substances, cannabis garnered the lowest level of health concern among users. Colorado's tax revenues might be starting to reflect these observed changes, too. For the second year in a row, Cannabis tax revenue is outpacing that of alcohol and cigarettes. Higher tax rates aside, that may indicate that more people are choosing to use cannabis over alcohol and cigarettes. That could be a good thing for the state's general health. Cannabis is decidedly less toxic than the other two vices. It's a largely non-addictive, natural intoxicant that is almost impossible to overdose on. Alcohol and cigarettes, by comparison, kill hundreds of thousands of people every year. According to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, more than 140,000 Americans die from alcohol-related causes annually. And according to the Centers for Disease Control, over 480,000 Americans die annually from cigarette smoking. The case could certainly be made that smoking is harmful, no matter how it's done. However, the research published in Clinical Toxicology showed that edible marijuana use had the highest monthly increases among 13 to 16 year olds year over year. So even among underage marijuana users, the trend leans toward the healthiest and most discreet form of ingestion. As those teenagers continue to age into adulthood, and as more states legalize cannabis, it's likely this 20-year trend reported in clinical toxicology will continue, which means that cannabis sales tax revenue in Colorado could continue to outpace alcohol and cigarettes in years to come. And because cannabis is taxed at such a high rate comparatively, that would mean greater revenue for the state. The most recent Colorado General Assembly report outlines the state programs and initiatives cannabis tax revenue goes toward. Just over 2%, $6.2 million, goes to the state public school fund. 10%, $28.2 million, is distributed to local counties and municipalities. 15% goes toward the Marijuana Tax Fund, which funds 16 different state agencies. A portion is allocated to the Building Excellent Schools Today, or BEST, Act, and another portion is earmarked for the general fund. Pueblo County even has a college scholarship program funded by local cannabis sales tax revenue. See Weed Between the Lines, Sin Tax Scholarships, March 30, 2023. 
The fact that cannabis sales taxes have outpaced those of alcohol and cigarettes for the last two years seems to reflect a shift in young people's preferences and perceptions of these substances. And if that trend continues, Colorado's ability to fund its public programs through cannabis should continue to grow as well. Entertainment, stage, stalled out, social commentary and toilet humor collide in dystopian musical at Lafayette Arts Hub by Tony Tresca, September 7, 2023. Many of us go home after a long day at work to relax and unwind. But for a select group of Boulder County residents, their lives as performers begin when their nine to five ends. Quote, it takes a special type of person to work an entire day and then come to the theater to work on a show, unquote, says Sarah Hartland, an actor in the Art Hub's upcoming production of Urinetown. Quote, we have a lot of STEM and tech professionals on the cast, but in the evenings we're like, five, six, seven, eight, unquote. That's been the story at the Arts Hub, formerly known as the Arts Underground, since it began serving the East Boulder County community in 2007. After outgrowing its original basement space in downtown Louisville, the 501c3 nonprofit purchased a 1.4-acre Lafayette property in 2015 as the site of its new home. The company moved a year later into the space at 420 Courtney Way, complete with a 194-seat theater and dance rooms, along with a lobby, kitchen, and gallery wall. Seven years after settling into their new digs, the organization introduced the Arts Hub Players, a theater troupe dedicated to showcasing local talent with works produced by and for the community. The Arts Hub players are currently gearing up for their latest production, Town, a musical that blends satire, social commentary, and toilet humor. This sardonically funny show debuted in New York in 2001 with music by Mark Hallman, lyrics by Hallman and Greg Kotis, and book by Kotis. Town is set in a dystopian future where the government has outlawed private restrooms due to a lack of water, and people must pay the mega-corporation Urine Good Company to find relief. Quote, In an ocean of musicals that are either, either 80s movie adaptations, jukebox musicals, or musicals from the 20th century that didn't age well, Urine Town stands out, Hartland says, it's a unique idea with original music that feels like it could have been written this year. The play deals with serious themes around capitalism, labor, and class. It doesn't necessarily have a happy ending, but it is packaged in this really fun way." Unquote. Culmination of Community Jason Lindsay, director of the Art Hub's upcoming production of You're in Town, was enthralled by the musical's humor and score when he first saw it performed at a theater in Dillon. Quote, I fell in love with its wit right away, and the really dark tone was right up my alley, Lindsay says. 
The fact that people are still doing it over 20 years after its premiere speaks to how timely it is. You're in Town has always been one of my dream musicals to direct. So when the opportunity to work with the Arts Hub arose, this was the first project on my list." Unquote. Beyond the play's tone and timeliness, another notable aspect of the production is its intricate and difficult original score, for which it received one of its three Tony Awards, along with Best Book and Direction. Quote, you might not think it from the title, but Town actually has really beautiful, complex music, unquote, says Bennett Forsyth, who plays Bobby Strong, a worker who accidentally starts a revolution. Quote, there are a lot of really jazzy chords in it, and the Act One finale is a spectacular climax of musical moments from all over the show, unquote. According to music director Brandon Warren, the score, including a jazz number, villainous soft shoe routine, and gospel choir, is essentially a deconstruction of everything that constitutes a modern musical. Quote, it's sort of a poo-poo platter of genres, which I think is really interesting because they all come with individual stylistic challenges, Warren says. Finding what makes each number distinct and differentiating them from each other has been a fun musical challenge." Unquote. Lauren Wisely's choreography for each number is unique, much like the music it is meant to evoke. She takes cues from a variety of musicals and makes allusions to the dances from other well-known productions. Quote, I would walk in and say, this is our Fiddler on the Roof day, this is our Chicago Fosse Day, and I loved working with the cast to create these references to the diverse musical theater world, unquote, Wisely says. Quote, we also have a Beyonce singles ladies, single ladies moment in one of the songs, but you will have to see the show to find out what that means, unquote. But perhaps the most essential aspect of You're in Town at the Arts Hub is the collaborative spirit that brought the production to life. With an all-volunteer cast, the show exemplifies the power of neighbors coming together to create something larger than themselves. Quote, I think the Arts Hub is a wonderful culmination of the community, Forsyth says. Our cast is made up of people from all walks of life, just to name a few, we have an ICU night nurse, someone who works for a construction company, and I am currently a school photographer. I love this building and the company for allowing all these different people to come together to make art." Unquote. On stage, you're in town, September 15 through 24, at the Arts Hub, 420 Courtney Way, Lafayette. You can get tickets at artshub.com booktics, B-O-O-K-T-I-X, dot com. Entertainment, music, yeeting in America. Philly hardcore heroes Soul Glow bring the ruckus to a point. By Jesse J. Gray, September 5, 2023. After nearly a decade grinding through the sweaty basements of the Philadelphia punk scene, it seems the rest of the world has finally caught up with Soul Glow. 
the fun and ferocious hardcore act started to gain real traction on their first wide release, 2020's Songs to Yeet at the Sun. But with the arrival of last year's full-length diaspora problems, the trio's explosive and ecstatic Epitaph Records debut, the needle began to move in a whole new way. Quote, The thing that has changed for us is that people dance to our music now, unquote, says vocalist Pierce Jordan. Quote, We spent a solid seven years of people staring at us during shows and not knowing what they're looking at. It was like, what am I doing? This music slaps and everyone's looking at me like I'm a fucking alien speaking goddamn Mandarin. Unquote. Now people treat us like human beings playing music and not a museum exhibit or some shit. Unquote. One reason for the early slack-jawed response might have something to do with Soul Glow's gleeful scrambling of hardcore orthodoxy. The band wrapped their arms around left-field elements like new metal nearly a decade before outlets like the New York Times were cranking out think pieces on its alleged Gen Z resurgence. To that end, Jordan counts two of his major vocal influences as James Brown and the late Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. Quote, he was on some Freddie Mercury shit, unquote. A pairing that would have garnered blank stares in 2014, but has today led the band to high-level accolades like Metal Album of the Year from Rolling Stone. Quote, a majority of artists, I feel, spend a lot of time trying to perfect their version of a sound by someone else they admire, and not enough time trying to actually say some shit they want to say, and also put it in a way where people are going to be like, oh yeah, that's how I feel, he says. It feels like that's your job as an artist, not just to express yourself, but to express yourself to a point, unquote. On that score, there's another reason Jordan may have felt like a sideshow in the band's early days, having less to do with genre conventions and more to do with the expectations placed on black performers. Despite the early inroads made by proto-punk, hardcore, and alt-rock trailblazers like Death, Bad Brains, and Fishbone in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, Agro guitar music has gelled firmly as a white art form in the minds of many critics and audiences. Quote, I've always wanted Soul Glow to be a vehicle for black people to actualize themselves and make their lives better in whatever way they can, unquote, Jordan says of the band's broader reverberation in the culture. Quote, it's never been just about me. It's about what we're doing with music as artists for ourselves and the people around us, unquote. Listen, liberal, with that racial uplift in mind, it's not uncommon for Jordan to hear from young black listeners who say Soul Glow's music has opened doors that had previously seemed shut. To hear the high-energy 30-something tell it, these moments of personal connection among fans with a shared struggle are what it's all about. Quote, 
It means the world every time, he says. I think about my inner child and who I was when I was a teen, getting into being a musician and figuring out how I was going to shape my musical self within who I am as a black dude, unquote. But Soul Glow is about more than comforting the afflicted, as the old saying goes. It's also about afflicting the comfortable. Consider a line from John, excuse me, from John Jay, a vicious and vulnerable heater dropped late in Diaspora Problems 40-minute runtime. Quote, it's been F, F right wing off the rip. Still liberals are more dangerous, unquote. Instead of letting white audiences coast on the back padding of a progressive identity, Jordan wants to cut through that complacency with the sharp edge of his cultural critique. Quote, I feel like a lot of liberal and left wing people think they're better because they align themselves with those values, even when they don't embody or act them out at all, he says. You're still comfortable living in this world, thinking one day the system is going to overturn itself. But physical choices and efforts are going to need to be made. Actions will need to be taken as they're being taken against us." Unquote. Ultimately, Jordan describes the deeper ambition of the band in terms that are at once basic and bold. He says it's not so much about chasing critical darling status, freaking out genre purists, or rattling the cages of complacent white liberals who expect a new world to be born without a fight. It's about carving a more holistic image of the grand arc of black life in America, one gig at a time. My biggest goal is making work that will be timeless and show the evolution of black history in music and culture, how it affects individuals, and how we use that to express our lived experience, he says. No matter what else we mix in, it's going to reflect that desire to show blackness in as complete a lens as possible." Unquote. Soul Glow with Zulu, 7 p.m. Thursday, September 7, Marquee Theater, 2009 Larimer Street in Denver. Tickets at LiveNation.com. Cuisine nibbles a class a glass act. Cocktail Caravan crafts bar quality farm fresh mixers for at home bartenders by John Lendorf, September 7, 2023. This is one of those classic Boulder origin tales, a story with a natural foods flair, a pandemic twist, and a happy ending. It should really be read while sipping a cocktail, and it starts when Crystal Sagan pulled into town in 2006. Quote, I didn't really know anyone in Boulder, so I got a bartending job just to meet people, unquote, says Sagan, founder and owner of Boulder's Cocktail Caravan. Quote, After doing that a while, I woke up one day and said, what am I doing with my life? Unquote. She found a job in publishing, but mixology never quite left her mind. Quote, I still loved bartending, so I told my friends, if you know anyone having a party, I'll bartend on the side, Sagan says. People just started calling. 
Sagan launched Cocktail Caravan in 2016 as a boutique mobile cocktail caterer focused on using fresh local ingredients. Quote, the business was great and then the pandemic hit, she says. I had my existential life crisis and thought, what am I doing with my life? That lasted a day until I saw the silver lining, unquote. Cocktail Caravan's bartenders started bottling and delivers, delivering the brand's mixers. Quote, we called it community-supported cocktails modeled after farm share CSAs, unquote, Sagan says. Boulder has gone back to partying in person in a big way, maybe making up for the happy hours it lost. Boutique mobile bartending is booming, along with demand for bar-quality mixers for home use, according to Sagan. One sobering statistic, many of the mixers are being enjoyed as non-alcoholic mocktails and spritzers. Quote, there's a big movement for mocktails because not everyone's drinking, or not all the time, Sagan says. They still want a satisfying beverage. I'm the mother of a two-year-old now. I drink very little at this point, unquote. Besides offering its changing menu of mixers at the Boulder Farmer's Market, Cocktail Caravan has launched a new cocktail and mocktail club starting October 1. Members get two bottles of cocktail mix per month for three months with a changing seasonal menu. The frozen mixers are available for Boulder pickup or delivery. At home, members add their favorite spirit or sparkling water. Quote, fresh squeezing juices and freezing them is the reason the flavors are so bright and vibrant, Sagan says. Anything you buy at the liquor store has been heated up to be pasteurized, unquote. Ingredients like cucumber, mint, basil, serrano pepper, peach and rhubarb are sourced from Oxford Gardens in Longmont, Black Cat Farm in Boulder, First Fruits from Paonia, and Allen Farms in Longmont. Cocktail caravan varieties range from the Q Sour, Orange, Rosemary, and Maple, to the Palisade Pleaser, Peach, Thyme, and Lemon, to the Queenstown Margarita. Quote, these are designed with a bitter element and a sweet element, so they have legs. They hold up when they're mixed, unquote, Sagan says. There is a simple reason that homemade cocktails and mocktails don't taste as good as those composed by a mixologist at a bar. Quote, it's kind of a pain in the butt to do it right, especially if you're only making a couple of cocktails, Sagan says. I don't necessarily want to peel, slice, and muddle the cucumber, then do the lemons and make simple syrup every time." Unquote. Michelin Awards arrive in Boulder. The front range figured prominently when the inaugural Colorado Bib Gourmand Awards were announced. On the list is Chef Kelly Whitaker's Basta in Boulder, quote, where family-style contemporary Italian-American cooking is the name of the game, unquote, Michelin noted. Denver's Ginger Pig, which started as a Boulder food truck, was also honored. Quote, I am still in shock. It is amazing, unquote, 
says Chef Natasha Hess, who will come back to Boulder when a second ginger pig opens on the hill later in September. New on the menu, Hong Kong French toast. Other winners include Denver's Tavernetta, a sister eatery to Boulder's Frasca Food and Wine, and Pizzeria Alberico and Ashkara in Denver. The Boulder Ashkara location recently closed. According to Michelin Guide, um, Bib Gourmand eateries offer, quote, a meal of good quality at a good value, unquote. They define value as two courses and a glass of wine or dessert for about $50, tax and tip not included. We can quibble about Michelin's definition of value and why the Bib Gourmand list was limited to a measly nine restaurants, mainly in Denver, for a purported statewide guide. Michelin earlier announced it would limit awards only to restaurants in Denver, Boulder County, Aspen, Vail, and Beaver Creek. A lot of great restaurants got left out as a result. Other Bib Gourmand winners are AJ's Pit Barbecue, Glow Noodle House, Hop Alley, La Diabla Pozole y Mezcal, and Mr. Oso, all in Denver. The coveted Michelin star-winning restaurants will be announced on September 12. Several bolder eateries should be in the mix. What do you think of the Bib Gourmand choices? Send your comments to nibbles at boulderweekly.com. Local foods, news, new arrivals and closings. Murphy's South Restaurant closed September 3rd in the Table Mesa Shopping Center, 657 South Broadway in Boulder. Quote, sales had been flat for a while. With inflation and COVID, it was a little too much. It's sad to be leaving Boulder, but our Louisville locale is thriving, unquote, says Adam Perkins, general manager and owner of Murphy's Tap House in Louisville. An illegal Pete's eatery will open in the Murphy's South space. The original Murphy's opened in North Boulder in 1984 and closed during the pandemic. Heaven Creamery is open at 2525 Arapahoe Avenue, serving all-natural artisan ice cream, gelato, sorbet, and fruit pops made from scratch with dairy-free, vegan, and gluten-free options. Alice and Rose, an Alice in Wonderland-inspired all-day cafe, is open at 1301 Pennsylvania Avenue, Boulder, formerly Innisfree Poetry Bookstore. A longtime Lafayette favorite, Ting's Place Chinese Restaurant, has closed at 1265 South Public Road. Coming soon, the sophomore, 1043 Pearl Street in Boulder, former location of Ashkara. Culinary calendar, baklava and salsa tasting. The Colorado Romanian Festival, September 10 in Lakewood, offers European fare such as cabbage rolls, polenta with sour cream, sausage with beans, Moldavian cheese pie, sweetbread with walnuts, and apple pastry. Baklava and treats from Iraq, 
Lebanon, and Syria are on the menu at the Taste of the Middle East Festival, September 9, in Aurora. Words to chew on, cheeseburger in paradise. Quote, I like mine with lettuce and tomato, Heinz 57 and French fried potatoes, big kosher pickle and a cold draft beer. Well, good God almighty, which way do I steer for my cheeseburger in paradise? Unquote. The late Jimmy Buffett. John Lendorf hosts Kitchen Table Talk with Chef Dan Asher and guests 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. September 7 on KGNU-FM, streaming at KGNU.org. Events Ambi Subramaniam Violin Concert Thursday, September 21, 2023, 6 to 7 p.m. at the Boulder Public Library, 1001 Arapahoe Avenue in Boulder, Colorado. Description Hailed as India's Itzhak Perlman by Ozzy Magazine, Ambi Subramaniam has been trained by his father and guru, Dr. L. Subramaniam, since he was three years old and gave his first performance at the age of seven. He has received the Ritz Icon of the Year Award, the Rotary Youth Award, two GIMAs, Global Indian Music Award, for Best Fusion Album and Best Carnatic Instrument Album, and Big Indian Music Award for Best Carnatic Album. He received a golden violin from Sri Jayendra Saraswati when he was 18. Along with his sister Bindu Subramaniam, he runs Sapa, the Subramanian Academy of Performing Arts, which trains young children to grow into performing musicians. He also runs the Sapa in Schools program, which helps children develop 21st century skills using music as a gateway. So far, the program impacts over 30,000 children a year. Ambi plays as part of contemporary world music band Subramania, which he formed with Bindu. He has performed extensively with his family and collaborated with Larry Coriel, Ernie Watts, Corky Siegel, and Shankar Mahadevan. Ambi was a featured soloist at the Violins for Peace concert series, which featured Mark O'Connor, Loiko, and others. He also plays as part of the Tair Saddam Project, a Carnatic fusion collective he formed with Bindu Subramaniam, Mahesh Raghavan, and percussionist Akshay Anantapadmanaban. Oh. Ambi is a youth delegate at the United Nations for the Sri Chinmoy Peace Meditation Group. He has a bachelor's degree in business management, an MBA, and a PhD. For tickets, visit cfaa.ticketleap.com. Events. The Pearl Street Comedy Show. Sunday, September 17, 2023, 8 to 10 p.m. at the Velvet Elk Lounge, 2037 13th Street in Boulder, 80302. Laugh Lines Comedy is back with the Pearl Street Comedy Show at the Velvet Elk Lounge in Boulder on Sunday, September 24, 
Join us for a night of laughs with an always hilarious lineup of comedians and adult beverages at one of the coziest venues off Pearl Street. Come early and enjoy some dinner and a cocktail before the show. Two drink minimum or $12 surcharge enforced. Tickets are available at roostermagazine.ticketleap.com, which confirms that the date is Sunday, September 17, not 24. Thank you for joining us for the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.